Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, and happy new year to all of you here this morning. How about giving it up for the, uh, that group of dancers and talent that we have here at our church this morning, amen. Awesome worship, Macy, Michaela, Christopher, Grace, Bryce, thank you so much for what you do. Uh, I know it's very difficult to, uh, to get up here on a moment's notice like you guys did, and just the preparation that you put into it. Super awesome. So glad you guys are here this morning. And wow, Christmas is over. Amen. <laughs> right? If you guys are like me, I am all out of whack with the days. I mean, I don't know what day it is. I know it's Sunday. Um, but good morning and thank you for being here this morning. If you guys were expecting to see Pastor Andrew, he is here today. He's sitting right here in the front row. Yes. Uh, you know, he came to me a couple of weeks ago and asked me if I would be willing to, to preach for him on, on Sunday. And he said, I got the 30th is what I have in mind. I thought, man, that's great. Yeah, absolutely, I'll do it. No problem. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't realize at the time, but, I, you know, he worked two days last week. I mean, this, I mean, Sunday and Monday. You know, most pastors only work one day a week. You know, so I knew it would be a stretch to have him preach again on this Sunday. But uh, he asked me to preach, and I'm kidding, of course. We love Pastor Andrew. But he asked me to preach this week, and uh, he said, it's an open canvas. Preach whatever you want on. It's an open canvas. I'm like, oh, great. So a couple days goes by, and he calls me. He says, how's it coming? I said, oh, man, I'm, I'm really into it. I've got a really good outline started. And I told him what I was, and he stops me. He said, what, don't, you can't preach on that. I'm preaching on that on Christmas Eve. I'm like, okay, well, then I was thinking, you know, maybe our expectations and, uh, no, nah, dude, you can't do that. That's candlelight service. I'm preaching on that in a candlelight service. I'm like, so it's not really an open canvas. I really had to start from scratch. And I started all over again uh, two weeks into my, my pra- you know, getting prepared for the message. But, uh, you know, one thing about preparing for messages, I've found that the more you prepare for these messages, God puts stuff in front of you that he wants you to talk about. And uh, I really feel like this message today is one that's relevant, and I hope each one of you will, will have something to take away with you uh, today from this message, and I think you will. But uh, we are going to jump right into it because I have timed myself, and uh, I don't want to make sure we beat the Baptist to breakfast uh, or lunch today. So anyway, <clears throat> as I started preparing, I was listening to talk radio on my way to work. And I'm thinking, man, what should I talk about? What should I talk about? And it just so happened that there was this interview uh, being done from a guy who written a book. And, um, and I'll get into the book title here in a little bit. But when I heard the message, I'm like, that's it. This is what I want to talk about. Because I think it is truly, extremely relevant. And I hope that it will be beneficial for you personally and for your family. A couple facts to start off with. 1949, just 70 short years ago, Believe it or not, there was only 2% of the U.S. homes had a television set. Think about that for a minute. 2% of the homes just 70 short years ago had a television set. Fast forward to 2007, and more than 98% of the homes have at least one TV set. A year later, in 2008, 60% of the homes had cable TV. Remember cable TV came out? What was the big selling point? No commercials, right? Boy, they've really sold us one on that, haven't they? I mean, there are commercials every three minutes, it seems like. 2017, 61% of 18 and 19-year-olds will have personal online streaming devices. Personal online streaming devices, something they have personally that they use by themselves By age 18, and this year is really what struck me, 
By age 18, a U.S. youth will have seen 16,000 simulated murders and over 200,000 acts of violence on TV. Think about that for a minute. 16,000 simulated murders and over 200,000 acts of violence. When I was talking about this message with some of my friends and I mentioned those uh, statistics to them, I was shocked. But you know what their response was? That seems kind of low. Boy, that's sad. Because that's what we are exposed to every single day. Just in my lifetime, if I think through back when... TV was a big part of my life, and thankfully it's not as big a part now. But I've seen tra television transform from, a, from really a wholesome family entertainment where you gathered together to watch Leave it to Beaver. And all of you out there are going, Leave it to Beaver, what show is that? When you watch these wholesome family sitcoms that had a true message, a good message behind it, it's now transformed into almost a strategic attack on our, to influence us both from socially acceptance, social acceptance of issues and political agendas. The truth is that we are constantly bombarded with blatant, unfiltered messages that contradict the values and principles that we as believers in Christ and Christ followers should, be up, should, should possess. <clears throat> the attack's not even subtle anymore. I mean, it's everywhere you turn. Nowhere you turn on any kind of media outlet is it not right there in your face, staring you right in the face. Joseph Cirillo is the author of the book that I was telling you about. He was being interviewed, and here's the book right here. I ordered it immediately as I saw the, as soon as I heard the, the message, I'm like, I've got to have this book. So I ordered it. And uh, believe it or not, I read it cover to cover in one sitting. And I know that doesn't seem like a lot to you guys, but for me, this is a big accomplishment. One sitting, I read that whole book. Um, the book's title is Biblical Filters for Your Media Choices. And uh, Joe is a graduate of Liberty University and he's a founder of the Gateway to the Heart Ministries. Joe also has seven children. And when I was listening to his interview, it was very obvious that he was very concerned about what media choices he was making and how it was impacting his family. And with seven kids, I can imagine that was a full-time job to make sure that he keeps track of that. But one thing I loved about his catchphrase and his ministry is kind of founded on this principle, and I think it's something we can take home with us today and also just implement into our lives. And his, his catchphrase is this. It's very simple. It says, getting people to think about what they think about. Cool. Getting people to think about what they think about. Now, his goal, the goal in his ministry isn't really to tell people what to think, he doesn't want to you know, give his people exactly how and what to think. He wants to, he wants to teach them how to think and how to think biblically. I thought, man, that is just that's so good. Because in today's world, we're often told how we should think, right? We're often told what we should think, and this is why we should think it. But we're, we, we often forget how we should think and how we should think biblically. The book is also outlined on basically two simple truths, two simple premises. These are both biblical premises, and we'll dig into these a little deeper, and we'll unravel this thing. But out of the heart, number one, was out of the heart flows the issues of life. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. The second one, the mind, the eyes and ears, is the gateway to the heart. So 
What we bring in through our, mind, our eyes and our ears ends up residing in our heart. And if our heart then flows out the issues of life. So that, that's the foundation for his, his teaching in this book. <clears throat> the title of, the, of my message this week was, was Guard Your Heart. And when I went to start studying, I found obviously the chapter, chapter four, 4 in Proverbs is really where it just spoke as clear as day. And I, I, I dug that out, and I thought, man, if the wisest man in the world was writing, you know, King Solomon wrote Proverbs, if he's got some wisdom to share with me, I want to listen to it. And this is what he had to say in the New Living Translation. It says, guard your heart, guard your heart. Now, the original text meant that word guard meant keep watch over. So he was, he was kind of, in a military sense, if you were talking about a physical entity, he would be guarding. Guard your heart. Think about it from a battle standpoint. You go into battle, one of the, your most important organ to protect would be your heart. Same is true with the spiritual battle. And the spiritual battle that we're fighting is we want to guard our heart. But he goes on a little further, and it's not just guard it and kind of keep an eye on it. The next part of the verse, he says, above all else, all else, everything else, above anything else, the most important thing you should do is guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Now, the Bible is, is clear on how important the heart is. And what we have to understand is that when, when the Bible uses the word heart, it's not necessarily talking about the physical beating organ in our chest, but it's more so talking about the innermost being, our inner self, inside. I love you. I know you've heard Pastor Andrew mention this before, and we've heard it many times, that if you really want to see where someone's heart is, you, all you have to do is look at their checkbook or their bank account and their calendar. Because typically, that's where you can find where someone's heart really resides. But the Bible is, is, is covered with over 700 times it's listed, the word heart is used in the Bible. I'm going to just blast through these scripture references, but I want you to get the context of how important our heart is to our spiritual growth and development. Matthew 5, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Psalms 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Psalms 119, turn my eyes, I love this, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Luke 6, Jesus is, is teaching on the tree and its fruit. He says the good person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of evil treasures produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So we go back to that very foundation that we talked about, the truth. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. Philippians 4.8, this is a founding verse that, that he uses, Joseph uses in his book as well. It says, finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Put those things on your heart is what it's saying. So two questions today that I hope that you will be able to answer by the time you leave here. 
And I really want you to take these questions, write them down, and I want you to think on them throughout the week. What occupies or takes up residence on the throne of your heart? What occupies or takes up residence on the throne of your heart? And the second part is what can we do to guard against or to keep watch over what we put on our heart? Those are the two questions. So I guess the first thing we need to do is figure out if we have a problem. And Joseph, in this book, lays out 10 filters for us to use for media choices. And I've condensed these down. We are going to cover four of them today. Uh, I promise not to keep you too long, but I think these four kind of sum up um, what I feel are the most important ones, and hopefully you will, you'll be able to implement them into your personal and spiritual growth. So here we go. Number one, do I have a problem? Well, statistics say we all have a problem. But I'm going to go ahead and give you the statistics. But the first filter is, any are my media choices taking up too much of my time? Now, who can answer that question? Yes, I promise you, they are. Statistics say they are. Americans check their phones on average once every 12 minutes. Once every 12 minutes. Burying their heads in their phones 80 times a day, according to new research. A study by Global Tech Protection and Support Company found that the average person struggles to go little more than 10 minutes without checking their phone. That means, folks, that by the end of this service, most of you will have either checked or thought about checking your phone five times <laughs> before the service is over. It's itching right there in your pocket, and you're like, oh, I want to take a look at that thing. I got an email or something I want to check. <clears throat> Bible app. I'm sure it was the Bible app calling your name. <clears throat> American adults spend more. This is a staggering statistic. American adults spend more than 11 hours per day watching, reading, listening to, uh, or simply interacting with media. Think about that for a second. 11 hours a day are spent watching, reading, listening to, or simply interacting with media. According to a new study by uh, Group Nielsen, that's up nine hours, uh, up from nine hours uh, just four years ago. So it was nine hours four years ago, and it's up to 11, over 11 hours a day that adults spend interacting with media. Now, let me just throw a disclaimer out there. All media is not bad. All secular media is not bad. And I don't want you to think that's where I'm headed with this. But I want us to just be cautious of what we are influenced by and what we are exposing ourselves to. If you think about 11 hours, that, that number just blew, blew me away. That's, 40, that's 46% of our 24-hour day is spent interacting with some form of media. For some of us, that's probably not even close. Probably more than that if we, really, if we really figured it out. But my question to you is how much of that 11 hours and how much of that interaction with media is, is investing in our spiritual growth? How much of that 11 hours we spend with media, the media stimulus that's all the time hitting us one way or another, how much, of, how much of it are we investing in our spiritual growth? I know you guys, the first thing is, well, I'm so busy. I'm busy. I love hearing how busy everybody is. I love hearing that. The devil doesn't need to make us bad. He just needs to make us busy. 
Amen. I want to tell you a story. I had a, a young student here at the church a couple weeks ago I, I had a conversation with. It was right before Christmas, and I thought, you know, hey, buddy, I said, you ready for school to be out? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, you got exams this week? He says, yeah, I do. I had exams last week. I said, man, great. How'd, you go? How'd it go? Well, right then I realized I probably shouldn't ask him that question with his mom standing just a few feet away. Because his response to me was, well, it didn't go so great. I didn't do so good on my exam. And I said, oh, man, what happened? Man, I just didn't have time to study. I'm like, dude, you didn't have time to study. Yeah, you know, I've been playing basketball. I've got sports. i got all this stuff going on. I said, man, let me tell you something. <laughs> if you could figure out at your age time management, that it's not about how much time you have. It's what we do with the time we have. If you could figure that out now, man, it is going to be a super valuable lesson for you later on in life. His response to me is, you sound just like my dad. I'm like, well, I know I'm going down the right path then. But the point is, is that he felt like he was overwhelmed. He was too busy. But really, it wasn't about how much time he had. It was what he was doing with the time. And I think we all fall into that trap. If we're honest with ourselves, we all fall into that trap. I think you would agree that if we're not careful what we spend our time doing it will affect us, or maybe a better word is infect us, either in a positive way or a negative way. If we can agree on that, then let's ask ourselves that question. Am I spending time or am I investing time in my spiritual growth? Ephesians 5.16 this is not a new problem. Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus, and he, he made it very clear when he told them, I mean, this problem existed back then, and they didn't even have Facebook or TV. But Paul says, making the most, the very most of your time, and the Amplified Version digs into that a little deeper, says, on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with what? Evil. Paul knew it. Back then, it was a struggle in the church. Time management was a problem. Because if we let our lives just tick along, other stuff gets in the way. Before long, we're busy. So there was a check that, that Joe wrote in his book here, and I thought it was pretty cool. <clears throat> there was two questions to ask yourself if you think you're spending too much time. And the first question was, does silence bother you? Now, I will tell you, I just had my family up from Florida, eight of us in the house. Silence does not bother me right now. Today does not bother me at all. But on a normal basis, does silence bother you? Does it bother you to be completely quiet or to sit completely still, maybe even a better way? And I think you would all agree that if you go to any restaurant in America today and look around the restaurant, do you ever see two people sitting there looking at each other in the eye and carrying on a conversation, or just sitting there. Because with three seconds, every three seconds goes by, somebody is going, there was a pause. I'm going to look at my phone. Okay, yes. And it's constant. We cannot stand silence. Am I, and the second checkpoint we need to ask ourselves, am I, am I spending time or am I investing time? Because if I'm spending it, it's gone. Right? If I'm spending time, it's just time that's gone forever. But if I'm investing time, I'm expecting return on that investment. 
So now that we know that we have a problem, and I think everyone would agree that we have a problem, that it takes too much of our time, what's the effect? What is the effect? The second filter is, will my media choice bring temptation or sin into my life? Will my media choice bring temptation or sin into my life? Now, if you're like me, your first thought was, nah, it's not that big of, it doesn't impact me that much. I mean, it's TV, come on, right? But think about that question. And think about temptation beyond maybe what some of you were thinking when it comes to the internet, social media. Maybe it's not the sexual nature of temptation. But think about that beyond that, that type of, of thinking. Matthew 26, Jesus was scolding his disciples at this point, And this was right before Jesus was betrayed. And the, the disciples were sleeping. And Jesus kind of got on to them in, the, in, in Matthew 26. He says, keep actively watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. See, Jesus was telling them, look, you've got to be prepared. You've got to be on guard, not for the sin, but for the temptation of sin. Again, this may not mean, on the, from a media standpoint, it may not just be sexual nature sin or, or, or sins like that, but it could, it could be any advertising. I mean, think about it. How many times have you watched a show, never knew anything about what they were selling, but all of a sudden you've got to have one and you've got to have it now. And next thing you know, the Amazon fairy is on the way to the house, right? That's temptation. Because I got to tell you, if you're not bringing that 10% to church and tithing your 10% and you're spending it on Amazon, or if you're not being able to pay the, the rent on time or the car payment on time or the mortgage payment on time, but we're able to get that stuff that we really got to have from Amazon, it's on time, right? Those are temptations. Now, <clears throat> the book says, and I agree with this, that you may not be sinning now. It may not be sinning right now. But, but you are struggling with temptation. You may not, have, may not have sinned yet, and I love what he says here, but trust me, Satan is very patient. And I thought, well, that's one quality I never really put you know, two and two together was that Satan being patient. But Satan is very patient. He will continue to feed your flesh and work on your weakness until you give in if you choose to let him. The viewing of most media that you watch probably does not make you jump off the couch and run out and sin. That's not typically the way it's going to happen. It's a slow burn. It's more like the frog legs in the pot of water and the heat just slowly gets turned up. Maybe it's violence. Maybe it's aggressive language. Maybe those are the things that we're spending most of our time with watching and we find ourselves now that when we're, our response to our spouse has changed its tone a little bit. Maybe that's the temptation. The more we put into our lives, the more we feed our flesh, the more likely we are to allow that temptation to turn into sin. And it happens every time we choose to watch any form of media. I think you guys get my point. But how many of us actually pray that part of the Lord's Prayer. You know, and I, when I read this, I thought, man, I've kind of forgot about that myself. You know, it's real easy for us to go into prayer and say, God, please forgive me for all the sins that I've messed up. 
forgive me. It's already done, gone with, forgive me for it. But how many of us actually pray, God, lead us, lead me not into temptation. Remember that part of the Lord's Prayer? Lead me not into temptation. Don't let me even get close. Because I know, like Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Think of what media choices we spend our time viewing and ask yourself, is it leading me to sin or even temptation of sin? And if the answer is yes, we only have one choice, to get it out of our lives. Get it out of our lives. Remove it from our lives. There's a couple ways we can do that. I'm going to plug our small groups, our bridge groups right now. If you are not in a bridge group, it's your lucky month because we are starting our promotional period next month. And I encourage you to sign up for a small group. If you're not in one, you need to be. This is where you can find some accountability partners. And I'm not saying that we need to have someone that's checking up on us everything we do. But think about that, how much easier it is when we have someone who really cares about our spiritual growth and we can partner together to make sure both of us are doing the right thing most of the time, or trying to anyway. So if you're not in a small group, please sign up for that. You'll have an opportunity to next month, and I, and I encourage you to do that and to get a, an accountability partner, someone who could help you through this journey because it is not an easy one. So we know we have a problem. Is media taking too much of our time? That's the first filter. The second one, what's the effect? Is it leading me to sin or is it leading me into being tempted into sin? The third one, who cares, right? Who cares? What's being affected and who cares? Who, who cares about it? Well, the third filter is would I want others to follow my example of my media choices? Would I want others to follow my example of my media choices? I think this one should be pretty obvious to us believers, but we often forget others are emulating everything we do and watching us very closely as followers of Christ. Several years ago, I'll just tell you this quick story. Several years ago, I had bought a new truck, and the truck came with satellite radio. And I was like, this is cool. Satellite radio. I mean, there's all 200 channels, all kinds of stuff to listen to. And I'll be transparent with you. I was listening to stuff on that radio that was not appropriate. And, uh, you know, it was one of those talk shows that was on there, and it was just not appropriate to be listening to. And I was at work, and one of the guys at work said, hey, man, I need to take your truck. I need to go pick something up. Do you mind if I take your truck? Nope, go ahead. Take the keys. Never thought two things about it takes the truck, comes back, walks in my office to bring my keys back. He says, boy, <laughs> now that was something to hear. I said, what are you talking about, man? What? Man, I can't believe you listen to that kind of stuff. On, I mean, don't you go to church? And it hit me. It's like, wow. Am I, am I good with what example I'm setting if the radio station that's playing in my truck is poor choice? That's when it really hit me. So from now, from this day on, if you go out to the parking lot right now, turn my truck on and look at my presets on my radio, there are two presets on my satellite radio right now. It's the message and uh, Christian talk, family talk. Those are the only two I've got on there. Now, I will tell you, I love some good old rock and roll. I love some good secular music, and I will listen to it occasionally. But the point is, is that are we comfortable with the example we're setting with others following us and the choices we're making with our media. <clears throat> several years, like I said, several years ago, buying the truck taught me a, a valuable lesson. 
But in 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on to talk about how we should be imitators. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, the uh, English Standard Version says, Paul tells us, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now, this is a big deal with kids, I would agree, but it's also a big deal with other adults, our friends, our co-workers, our fellow believers. The question is, do you imitate Christ with your choices and your media choices in particular? I think this is by far the best line in the book. I hope you'll write it down because it's one that I think is, is awesome. And uh, Joseph says that you, will, you may not have children, but someone is always watching your life. And here's the best line. We're the only Jesus some will ever see. Think about that. We're the only Jesus that some will ever see. The last filter, I, I, I titled the, the third one is Who Cares? And my fourth one is He Does. The fourth filter is Am I Glorifying God Through My Media Choices? And really, this filter is one that we can put on every single thing in our life. Am I glorifying God through my media choices? I'm having a really hard time not reading you the back, the whole last chapter of this book here because there's so much good material in here. And if, and if you're interested in getting more information on this book, please see me after service. I'd love to share it with you. But one of the things he says in here, he says, he asks the question, are we glorifying God with our media choices? Are people, this is the part I love, are people seeing the qualities in our lives that would point them to who God is and what he has done in our lives? Let me read that again. Are we glorifying God in our media choices, number one, and are people seeing qualities in our life that point them to who God is and what he has done in our lives? The Bible says that we as followers of Jesus should be sanctified. That's a fancy word, but that word really just truly means set apart sanctified. We should be sanctified. We should be set apart. Our lives should look distinctly different than the lives of our unsaved friends. And I want to ask that question today. Does your life look different? Do you look different in what you listen to, in what you talk, your language choice? Do you look different than your unsaved friends? The goal of our lives is to draw attention to God. The goal of our lives is not to draw attention to ourselves. <clears throat> In closing, I just would like to ask the simple question. And I want you to think about this, that if someone just happened to walk into your life, and let's go a little bit deeper than that. Let's assume that someone walked into your home. In the book, he talks about the mantle in the home. In the old construction, the mantle was the place where you would display, it was the centerpiece of the home. And it kind of was, you would put things on the mantle to kind of showcase what your home was really all about. I want you to ask yourself the question, if someone stranger walked into my house today, walked into your life and watched 
the same television shows that you watched, looked at the same internet that you looked at, watched the same social media, got on the same social media stuff, what would they be thinking about the God in you? We may be the only Jesus they ever see. The question is, are we set apart? Or are we just like their, their other friends who don't know Jesus? As we leave here this morning, I hope that you will take a serious look at how we are spending or if we are spending or if we're investing time and I hope that in one of those 11 hours a day that we'll start to really look and focus in on what we're spending our time on and if it's developing us and developing our spiritual growth. I want you to ask yourself these filters and you can use them for about anything, but it's particularly the media that, is, that we're, we're so surrounded by every single day. Is this taking up too much of my time? Is this leading me to sin or to temptation of sin? And what I want others to follow this example, and the greatest one, am I glorifying God with the choices that I'm making? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to bring this message, Lord. I just pray that it touched someone's heart this morning. I know it did mine. I know that during this study, Lord, I, I, I have so much work to do on, on what I allow to take up residence on the throne of my heart. Lord, I just pray that, that these words will go forth today and that these, these folks would, would have an opportunity to just dwell on them throughout the week and that eventually we will, we will just want to be closer to you. We will want to look at things through your eyes. We will want to use these filters so that all of what we do glorifies you, Lord. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray and everyone said, Amen.